Hello, and welcome to Horrendous Podcast, or should I say Horrendous, a best friend's podcast. I'm here with Elizabeth. As always. As always, always together, forever. forever. She's stuck with me. So how are you, Elizabeth? How was your last two weeks? Has it been two weeks? Almost. It has. I have a lot of thoughts that I need to share that I did not divulge to you during our pre-show conversation because I thought that they would be better served to be on the episode. So first of all, first thought, and I will die on this hill, okay? Okay. Dawson's Creek, the series finale of Dawson's Creek is probably... One of the best series finales of any TV show I have ever watched. Okay, can I just say this? No spoilers, because I haven't seen it. <laughs> okay, well, you are like 20 years behind, so it's on Netflix now. Get on it. But that being said, I would have to disagree with you and say that the 2004 remake of Battlestar Galactica has the best ending of any show I've ever seen. Okay, well, I've not watched that show, so here we are. <laughs> We're both not wrong because neither one of us have watched those shows. But I was just thinking about it, like, again, you've not watched any of, you've not watched it, but it literally checks every box. I don't think there was one thing anybody was really angry about. Okay. Like, with Game of Thrones, I was very underwhelmed. Yes. The Vampire Diaries sucked. The ending sucked. I didn't watch that one. The originals ending just broke my soul and I infuriated me. And I mean, there's a lot of shows. Like it's just it I was it's the only show I can remember not being angry. I was very satisfied with the ending. Okay, that's thought number one. <laughs> okay. Thought number two. I've been watching season four of The Crown. Have you watched The Crown yet? I have not. Okay. You're going to have to cuz I got a lot okay. of, I got a lot of thoughts. And I mean it's not it's no spoilers because it's all stuff that you can google and find out anywhere because it happened. So, but we're going to have to cover some things. Okay. But my one thought while watching I've watched every season, okay? Okay. Do these people never wear sweatpants? Like every time you see them in the show? I mean, this is no joke. Like even in the show and I asked Matt this, and he says, no, they probably don't. But it was, like, they're just lounging on the couch, and they're in, like, a full suit. Or full, like, a nice out, like, nice clothing, hair done, all that. They carry purses with them everywhere they go, even when they're just in Buckingham Palace. Really messes with my brain. That's thought number two. Okay, I have a thought on that about okay. the phones. If you're in Buckingham Palace and you set your phone down and forget, that's way too many rooms to look through. Fair. But this was a time when they didn't have a cell phone still. So oh, I, get your, okay. I get where you're going. But <laughs> and this season talks about Charles and Diana. Mm. And a lot of people on, are on TikTok are coming for Charles. Oh, no. And I'm going to give my thoughts on this. Okay. Okay. He was a piece of shit. <laughs> okay i again we're gonna Spit get on myself we're gonna get sued with my opinions again opinion i don't know the man he seems like in his elderly years he yeah has become just a lovely man but he was a piece of shit and he treated her terribly okay i've heard that he was 32 and courting a 19 year old girl Ugh. gross okay yeah Another Chris Pratt. With that said, and this is going to be very controversial, but I'm going to say it because nobody else will say it. She was kind of a piece of shit, too. Princess Diana? Yes. And, I mean, she, and, okay, she, and, and I'm not talking about her humanitarian work or any of that. Like, that, very valuable, very wonderful. Like, that is, she was phenomenal. But in her marriage to Charles, she was they were terrible to each other, I think is what I should say. They both, like, she is made to be the victim, and she is a victim. I will never say that. She is very much a victim. He gaslit her. He cheated on her. He married her, even though he didn't want to marry her. She is very much a victim. She's a victim of that whole machine. 
but she was just as terrible to him. So I just had to say that because a lot of people, I've seen a lot of videos on TikTok this weekend where they're like, oh, you know, Charles was a piece of shit and Diana was a saint. <laughs> Not really. Because she, yeah, because she cheated on him just as much as he cheated on her. I think I have heard that. Like it's, it's an, it's a known fact. So anyway, and then my last thought here, less controversial. Do you remember the show MTV Cribs? Yes. Did you ever see the Rob Zombie episode? No. And the only reason I'm bringing this up is because we talked about him while I brought him up. (laughs) In episode three, because you know, he stalks Zombie Road. He flies to Wildwood, Missouri to harass teenage kids making out in the woods. Yes. He, so they did his house and he had this room, like his whole house, throughout his whole house he had them, but he had like an entertainment room that had all these vintage horror movie posters. Okay. Like Bella Bella Lugosi Lugosi old movie, horror movie posters. And I always thought to myself, man, I want it. I would, I, when I grow up, I want my house to be like that. That was all. (laughs) That sounds vaguely familiar. Maybe I did see that one. Or that's just what a lot of celebrities do. I do remember watching the Fieldy episode from Corn. Of course you did. Of course. <laughs> of course you did. I probably had you it probably recorded had on VHS, VHS somewhere. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so. Wore it out. I've actually seen Fieldy in person twice now you're getting closer day by day (laughs) day by day covid be damned you're going to move one degree closer to jonathan david (laughs) poor jake he doesn't even that's the plan (laughs) (laughs) the only new news i have is that i've been trying a new shampoo and conditioner and it just does not mesh well with my hair it's my hair feels gross. Not saying anything about the brand. The brand is amazing. It's that Love Beauty Planet brand. I love that stuff. Which one are you using? I'm using the coconut water and mimosa flower. It smells phenomenal. The tea, we use the tea tree oil and vetiver one. Okay. And we liked it. I, I'm giving up on it though after trying one just because I can't have my hair look this gross but i love their whole like philosophy their zero almost zero yeah carbon footprint like i want to support them so bad they have a detox one that like the money goes to clean the oceans yeah maybe if they have a body soap i would buy that but they do have body washes I will try that because I do want to support them. And again, like it could work great for some people, but just my hair texture and. Yeah, it may just be the one you're using. That too, but support them because they're great. Yes, they're a great brand. I, I love their brand. They're fantastic. Hey, love Beauty Planet. Please sponsor us. Yes. <laughs> we will shout your praises to the mountaintops. Um, cause I have used a lot of your products and I love them all. I just don't like the way it feels on my hair, my texture and everything. It just still feels really oily, but that doesn't mean that it will feel that way on everyone. No, I have some news. You already know this. Yes. This is not news to you, but it may oh. be news to people who do not follow us on Facebook or Instagram or Patreon. I did a horrendous field trip. And I, because you are in, on the West Coast, I had to find yes. a fill-in. And unfortunately, the only person who likes me enough to go to all these places with me is my 11-year-old. So co-host Brady stepped in and we went on a horrendous field trip. And let me tell you, it was quite interesting. So I never felt unsafe anywhere I went, but I went to Bissell Mansion Okay. And I even say it in the video that it's not a great neighborhood. Brady wanted to get out of the car with me. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm literally, <laughs> I said, I'm literally going to go do like a 30 second video and get back in the car. Like, don't get out of the car. I found it interesting because the neighborhood's again, not great. And it's not, I'm not, I'm not trying to be ignorant. Like it's just that part of the city is just fallen on some harder times. And so you drive through this neighborhood and here this is this mansion 
Right. And they're not maintaining the grounds very well, so I'm wondering if it's even still open anymore. Mm. Yeah. But anyway, so that was that was unnerving. But then when we were driving through Bell Fountain Cemetery, there was like we I didn't know so many and I should have known this, but I didn't realize so many people like famous St. Louisans, the St. Louis VIP were buried there. Like the founder of the Barnes Hospital system is buried there. And then we saw both Anheuser and Bush Mausoleum. So that was very, very cool. And we saw a coyote, which Brady was thrilled beyond belief. See, we're connecting all these dots. It's all coming full circle. Yes. It's huge. I mean, it's 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 massive. We we drove around it for a while and we got kind of lost not really but i mean it's 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 massive so is calvary we didn't really go into calvary though we kind of did a quick drive through and then turned around like just the entrance area and then turned around because i had to go get connor from daycare hoping to do many more horrendous podcasts and if you hopefully with the actual my actual co-host and not my 11 year old <laughs> No offense, Brady. She was fantastic, and she was a great sport, and she, like, was very much along for the ride. Loved it. If you want to watch the video, though, you have to be a Patreon member. It's the whole reason I brought this up. And we also have our very first patron on Patreon. Our yes. friend, Sarah, who is an all-around badass... She's amazing. She's a wonderful human, and she and her partner, Patrick, have the most lovely relationship. They are just adorable together, and they're just wonderful, very kind people. And anyway, thank you, Sarah, for thank being you, Sarah. a Patreon patron. You are the best, and we adore you. Yes. So thank you for that. So please, if... and. Again, this is a time in the world where a lot of people don't have a lot to spare. If you do have the extra $5 to become a patron, please do. It helps support the show and helps us get to a place where we're able to do more. And you can see the video of the horrendous field trip on there. And if you become a loyalty member at the $20 level, you will be enrolled to receive merch every three months. And I'm working on that now. I did finish our sticker and I did finish our mug and that's up there now. So now I just got to work on our canvas tote bag and t-shirt. So those will be coming soon. So please, if you have $20 to spare, become a $20 tier patron. That's the bestie level. And you will get merch every three months. And hopefully uh, we'll be able to do more merch that'll be available to you guys. I'm not going to say where I work, but I work retail and the next couple of months is going to be insane for me. So I personally cannot do much. And I've apologized to Elizabeth profusely, even though she says I have no reason to. okay (laughs) she's looking at me weird but I also would like to knit and crochet some things for yeah a one-time like a one-time donation yeah something yeah we're working on stuff we got a lot of stuff coming down the pipe and we just the support we've and I know we said it last episode but the support we've had so far has been just amazing we didn't think we would have five listeners let alone 135 listens total so thank you to all of you who have listened we we truly do appreciate it and it reinvigorates my feelings that this was this was the right thing to do and then on top of it, I get to talk to my best friend all the time so oh yeah it just it works Definitely out and then on top of that Callie says she doesn't do much but without her we wouldn't have a damn podcast because she does all the editing I don't know how to edit <laughs> so I would be shit out of luck and which I would be in most things in life without her so Callie thank you Aww. for doing hard work and editing the podcast and the hardest work of all being my friend so <laughs> uh, <laughs> editing's probably harder oh 
Oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> anyway. Also, the trend that I have been going on is yeah, it's what not I am boozy. drinking. Or did you put some rum in it? I or didn't amaretto. put rum. <laughs> amaretto. Amaretto. I am drinking coffee with just a splash of Di Sarono, the fancy amaretto. The fancy amaretto. But it's only 28%, so I won't sound as lit in this episode as I have in others. She won't be slurring her words. No, not this time. Hopefully not. I do not have a pop filter <laughs> this time, so. It's okay. But it's very delicious. If you've never had black coffee with a little splash of amaretto, you should try it. It's very good. So with that, Elizabeth right, is going to start, to start us out. <laughs> yeah. I guess we probably actually need to talk about what we came here to talk about, don't we? Right. There we are with yes. our banter. Oh, no. It's okay. So, yes. Yeah, so, this week, we are going to talk about King Tut and the Mummy's Curse. And so, uh, I'm going to preface this by saying it, it King Tut in itself, you could do, I mean, there's so much there. You could do an entire episode just on King Tut. But as we are trying to limit this to an hour or, you know, around an hour, you know, we go over. It's okay. There's just so much. Do yourself a favor. There are, Nat, National Geographic has done so many fantastic documentaries. History Channel has done fantastic documentaries. Go watch them. They're they're phenomenal. The different theories of what happened to him and the new information they find out all the time just by re doing research in his tomb. It's just it's there's just a lot. So we will not cover everything. We're gonna hit the highlights. So uh, I apologize if you feel like I've left anything out, but it's just if I try to touch on everything, there's no way. Okay. So with that said. King Tut, whose given name was Tutankhamun, whose name translates to living image of Amun, was born in the, into the 18th dynasty of Egypt around 1342 BC. He was the son of the pharaoh Akhenaten, also known as Amenhotep IV, who controversially, controversially changed the Egyptian religion to be monotheistic. So at that point, and, and this is something we, I feel like a lot of people learn in like fifth grade social studies, like we did, they had, they worshiped a lot of different deities. They, they were very much like the Greeks and they had gods for basically everything. But um, Akhenaten, as he changed his name to, changed the Egyptian religion to worship only one god, which was Aten. And this established Atenism. It was really controversial because people were very set in the old ways and they didn't like this change. It's believed that Akhenaten's half-sister was King Tut's mother. So yeah, so he, so King Tut is the child of Akhenaten and his half-sister who I could not find a name on. And Aten uh, the source of Atenism was the sun disk, which was an aspect of Ra, the sun god, and was the focus of this new religion. And this is important because it kind of it play, it kickstarts off a lot of things that would go, come into play for King Tut during his reign. Akhenaten would even go as far as to move the capital from Thebes to an area between Thebes and Memphis, which would be named Armana. Did you say Memphis? Yes, I know. It it messes me up. There is there is legitimately a city in Egypt called Memphis. Okay, that's fair. I just wanted to make sure I heard you right. Yep, it floored me. So yeah, Akhenaten <laughs> was also believed to be, I, I guess, the king Elvis hung out in, in Memphis, <laughs> Egypt, in, not Memphis, Tennessee. Akhenaten was also believed to be husband to the famed Egyptian queen Nefertiti, making her King Tut's stepmother. And not a lot is known about Nefertiti other than reportedly through historical accounts, she was the most beautiful woman in Egypt. She was a real person. <laughs> have you ever seen Stargate SG-1? I have not. So... That's how I know all my myth, like Egyptian myth, 
mythology and also my Norse mythology is from that show. But she played a very big part in that show. Basically, Callie's saying she gets her history from Stargate. Sci-fi shows in general. Sci-fi yeah. shows in general, yes. It, it, that checks out. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, Akhenaten was believed to be the husband to famed Egyptian Queen Nefertiti. This may, would have made her King Tut's stepmother. Akhenaten was considered a heretic, and his new religion was not widely accepted by the Egyptian public. It's really unclear how Akhenaten died, but many historians and Egyptologists believe it may have been from a plague epidemic which was ravaging Egypt at the time. Hmm. Timely. Hmm. And even caused the death of three of his daughters. After he died, any mention of Akhenaten, any statues, tributes, monuments, anything... Was he was wiped from the record? He was eradicated. Like it was like he did not exist. And in later years, he would even be left out of the list of Egypt's pharaohs. Oh, and many believe this is because he, him, you know, making the Egyptian religion monotheistic and and moving the capital, and he and he actually broke down a lot of the trading lines that Egypt had with surrounding countries. So I think a lot of people were just like, we just need to forget he even existed. After Akhenaten's death around 1334, 1336 BC, Smank whose gender and real identity is unknown, seceded the throne very briefly. And after their death, 10-year-old Tutankhamun would find himself ruling Egypt. So they were the first non-binary person? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, for for the purposes of this podcast is yes, non-binary because they there's no documentation on what their gender was. So, yeah. Maybe they wanted it that way. Maybe. The young Tutankhamun married the third daughter of Akhenaten and Nefertiti. I think it's Anaxunamun. Yep. Yes, Anaxunamun. Like the woman from the mummy okay yes anak sunamun and by his third year as pharaoh he would leave armana which was the new capital akhenaten had established and move to memphis the then administrative capital of egypt he lived there with elvis and they ate peanut butter and banana sandwiches uh, which is located near cairo they are actually very underrated delicious at, the, at this point, he would also reinstate the religion of the old gods, as well as have the images and temples of these gods restored. Because he was so young when he ascended the throne, mind you, he was 10, Tutankhamun had two advisors, I and Horemheb, both who had long-standing ties with the royal family. During his reign, Tutankhamun also sought to restore diplomatic relations with Egypt's neighbors, and there's a lot of evidence suggests he was successful. So he worked very hard to repair the relationships that were broken down when his father was in power. King Tut had no surviving children, though it is believed he and his wife had two daughters, most likely stillborn, whose mummies were found in the tomb of King Tut. This would create a huge problem in the line of succession after his death. No heir, there ends the line. Tutankhamun only reigned for 10 years. He died at the age of 19, and the real cause of his death has been the subject of debate, study, so many documentaries, and speculation since the discovery of his tomb. Because of many years of inbreeding within the royal families, which is not just an Egyptian thing, European royal families are riddled with all kinds of genetic diseases. The Romanovs, who I hope to discuss... Yeah, that would be good. They had a lot of hemophilia in their family. And there was a, yeah, the the royal families of Europe were just plagued with genetic diseases because these royal families wanted to keep the blood pure. So they would just breed with each other, for lack of a better word. It's the same with the Lannisters and the Targaryens. That's very true. Game of Thrones stuff here. So he, because of many years of inbreeding within the royal families for centuries, he was, re- researchers and historians believe he was plagued with a degenerative bone disease, a club foot, and possibly a cleft palate. So he was allegedly pretty jacked up. 
X-rays performed in 2014 on his sarcophagus show an elongated skull, a curved spine, and fusion of the upper vertebrae, which also were consistent, which were all consistent with Marfan syndrome, which allegedly people believe Abraham Lincoln might have had. Mm. In fact, he is the only pharaoh ever pictured consistently sitting down, and a, and a lot of archaeologists and historians believe this is due to his physical disabilities. Some historians speculate based on parasites found in his mummified remains, he may have died of a combination of malaria and the degenerative bone disease. Others speculate he died of gangrene he developed after he broke his leg in a chariot accident. One theory suggests he was murdered by his advisor, I, who would actually end up marrying King Tut's wife after his death, against, which would be against her will, based on letters to the king of a neighboring country. So after he died, his advisor kind of forced himself into marriage with King Tut's widow. And allegedly, I, maybe they did find letters stating this. She wrote a king of a neighboring country and said, hey, send me somebody so I can get married. I cannot marry this dude. So that was really interesting. So that's why a lot of people think that he was murdered because I was so quick to try to marry her afterwards. But other people say it was just because they didn't want to have a, a power void. And But we won't know. After his death, King Tutankhamun's historical record would sadly meet the same fate as his father and many other pharaohs before him. It seems like he was erased from the historical record. Additionally, based on discoveries from his tomb, it seems his burial was rushed and he was not buried in the tomb that was actually constructed for him. A lot of people believe that the tomb where I was buried was actually meant for King Tut and he just took it for himself. In fact, recently it has been theorized the burial mask that which that famous photo we see that we connect with to King Tut was actually a repurposed mask and made for a female mummy and not for him. But there really is nothing substantial to document this. There was a documentary I watched, and it was like the final secrets of King Tut's tomb or something like that. They're all called that. And they were looking, they're examining the burial mask, and the earlobes have spots where there would have been earrings and... The, the archaeologist who was explaining all this was saying, you know, this is, you, you would have not have had a man wearing earrings on their burial mask. They were trying to, I think, postulate that it perhaps was the mask of Nefertiti, that her burial was desecrated and they just repurposed her stuff for his. Again, no, there's no proof of this. It's, it's speculation. It's a theory. But the way it was presented at least on the front that it was a hand-me-down mask, was pretty compelling. But over time, many of these tombs, like Tut's, would become lost to the world, and it was not until after Napoleon's invasion of Egypt that interest began to generate again for the Egyptian culture. Egyptian antiques were brought back to the European continent, and interest really began to rise, particularly among the wealthy who could buy these antiques. And in the 19th century, the Egyptian obsession was really at its peak with people even commissioning Egyptian-style memorials, most famously found in Highgate Cemetery in London. And it's interesting because when Brady and I were in Bell Fountain Cemetery, there was a lot of obelisks and there was a couple of mausoleums. There was one in particular that stuck out to Brady. It was her favorite one that was it, it was designed in an Egyptian style. So that was really neat. So, yeah, and then there's a lot of, like, obelisks and stuff. If you go to London, there you see a lot of different Egyptian things here and there. And the British Museum had a lot of really cool things. But, yeah, the, the British were obsessed with with Egyptian culture. And, and there was one point where the British had more Egyptian artifacts than the actual Egyptians. And I think now, in the present day, they've been remedying, trying to remedy that and sending a lot of these artifacts back to Egypt, to the Egyptian Museum there in Cairo. That's good. Yeah, because it, it's not that much different from, it's not that much different from when 
we have artifacts from the indigenous people here and they're just trying to give these people their culture and their artifacts back so you it's i mean it's the right thing to do so hopefully that is not true anymore and this leads us to famed archaeologist howard carter in 1891, Howard Carter made his first trip to Egypt and found evidence of this lost king, Tut, and became a, convinced that there were more undiscovered tombs in the Valley of the Kings, particularly the lost tomb of King Tut, and that became his focus. He was financially backed by Lord Carnarvon, a.k.a. Lord Carvana, or as Callie will call him, <laughs> George, or the Earl, and yes. would make several trips to Egypt in his search to uncover the tomb of King Tut. So Howard Carter searched for the tomb for five years. Early in 1922, the Earl wanted to call off the search, but Carter convinced him to wait one more year. In November 1922, Carter's team found the steps hidden in the debris near the entrance of another tomb. The steps led to a sealed doorway bearing the name Tutankhamun. When Carter and the Earl entered the Lord. interior chambers on yeah, <laughs> interior chambers on November 26th, which in four more days of recording, it will be the anniversary. On Thanksgiving. Oh, is that? I don't even know what day it is, to be honest. But I believe you. I'm going to double check that intel. You are correct. Oh, I'm I just checked. On. Yep. Because the 27th <laughs> is my grandpa's birthday. And the 28th Aww. is my sister's birthday. That's how I remember. And the 27th is, shout out to cousin Marissa, is Marissa's birthday too. Oh, happy birthday, everyone. Three people who I love dearly all have birthdays around Thanksgiving. That's awful for them. It is. To get just pumpkin pie instead of cake. I mean, pumpkin pie is amazing. Ugh. Hot take. <laughs> no, it's not. Hot take. Pumpkin spice latte tastes like paste with some cinnamon thrown in it. Oh, yeah. I don't like those. I, but I do like pumpkin pie. My sister Jessica will tell anybody... Who will listen in detail how much it sucked having a birthday around Thanksgiving because you couldn't do a birthday party because everybody was celebrating with their families and you had to eat Thanksgiving desserts for a birthday. To be fair, my birthday falls in and around Easter a lot. Yeah. On my 16th birthday, it did fall on Easter and I got a car for my 16th birthday. Not a great car. It was a piece of crap. But I was thankful for that car. It was a car nonetheless. Yes. And I always said the Easter Bunny brought me my car. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. <laughs> anyway, back to our regularly scheduled program. Carter and Lord Carnarvon. Carnarvon. Yep. Carnarvon. So they entered the interior chambers on November 26th. Hopefully it wasn't Thanksgiving, but then again, they don't celebrate Thanksgiving. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. They found it virtually intact with treasures untouched after more than 3,000 years. So I'm imagining there was like a lot of spider webs hanging out and It was like an episode of and Legends of the Hidden Temple. Yes. Matt and I have talked about this at length. We both of us always wished that we could have been on that show. Okay. If you had to be on a team, what would you which team would you have been on? I don't remember the team names, okay, so but I was obsessed blue, with it. There's Blue Barracudas. There's Matt. Hold on. We're gonna bring a guest. <laughs> Matt, I need you to come here right now. I have a quick guest. He's ignoring me. We're gonna call him. Because I have to know the answer to this. <laughs> hey, what were all the teams on the Legends of, Hidden, of the Hidden Temple? There was the Blue Barracudas. Uh, purple Parrots. Purple Parrots. Silver Snakes. Silver Snakes. 
What were the monkeys? Um, monkeys, silver monkeys, were they orange? Hold on. I can tell you in a second. There was, uh, the blue barracudas. Mm-hmm. Well, I only called you because I thought you would know them all right off the top of your head. Hold on, one second. I just can tell He's there so was useful. The red jaguars, blue barracudas, green monkeys, green. orange iguanas, purple parrots, and silver snakes. Okay, thank you for your contribution to this episode. Thank you. <laughs> so, pick your team. I think it was always blue barracudas. Just because the name sounded the coolest. Yeah, for sure. Either that or the jaguars. Yeah. Okay, so. Picture it, 1922, Egypt. Legend of the Hidden Temple. Legends of the Hidden Temples. Howard Carter's got his torch, like a less hot version of Indiana Jones, and he's making his way into the tomb. Okay, that's where we left off. No, we actually went in and found the treasures. Oh, he made his way, moving the spider webs, dodging the booby traps. Moving it through, (laughs) which there's no record of. You're right. It's all it's it's in my brain. It's all made up. There's no historical right. record of booby traps. Uh, for for the record, I just want to say no. There, I, that is not fact. I'm just imagining it in the movie of my brain. Tom Cruise making his way as Howard Gross. Carter. Gross, exactly. Just like he ruined the mummy. Hmm. I have not seen that. That movie could have been so good. If they really just figured out what they were trying to do and did not have Tom Cruise in it. Yeah. Because Russell Crowe was Dr. Jekyll. Phenomenal. Oh, Fantastic. yeah. Fantastic. And they were really trying to set up a connected universe. <sighs> anyway, it's, it, that's a conversation I could talk to death, but I've already talked a lot of topics to death today. So anyway. <laughs> and we're definitely getting sued. But Brendan that's Fraser, fine. Brendan Fraser has made his way into the crypt. Rachel yes. Wise is behind him. All right, mm-hmm. here we go. The crypt. That's is so open. much better. All right. <laughs> so much better. Thank you, Brendan Fraser, for saving the day. Yes, thank you. The men began exploring the four rooms of the tomb, and on February sixteenth, nineteen twenty-three, so close to Elizabeth's birthday. Not in nineteen twenty-three, though. I mean, I could just be a really cute looking old chick. I've aged very well. Yeah. I mean, I could believe that, but we went to school together, so I don't That's believe true. that. That's true. <laughs> All right. Go ahead. Or maybe we're vampires. <laughs> yes, please. So Carter opened the door to the last chamber. In that chamber, they found a sarcophagus with three coffins nested inside one another. The last coffin was made of solid gold and contained the mummified body of King Tut. The riches they found in the tomb included golden shrines, golden monkeys, no. (laughs) Blue barracudas. Yes. Jewelry, statues, a chariot, weapons, and clothing. I mean, I've spent a lot of money on my wardrobe. I want all my clothing buried with me, just so you know, Elizabeth. Duly noted. I also want a string with a bell because Jake already said he wasn't doing this for me. Yes, please. Thank you. How dare he? (laughs) First of all, it's his job as your husband to make sure that if you somehow get buried alive by mistake, that you have a way to let people know you're alive. Right. It just brings me flashbacks of days of our lives where was it Hope where she was buried alive? Was it Hope or Marlena? I feel like probably happened to both. No, Marlena was possessed. Yes. Uh, Marlena was possessed. (laughs) Okay. The most valuable was King Tut's mummified body being the first one ever to be discovered. Don't know if y'all knew that, but that was the first. I did not know that. Mummified body to be found, according to, honestly, let's be real. I think I got that from Wikipedia. Well, it has to be true then. Just like yes. anything you find on Facebook, it's on Wikipedia. Yes. It has to be true. That is 
True. (laughs) The treasures were carefully cataloged, removed, and included in a famous traveling exhibition called The Treasures of Tutankhamun. The permanent home of this exhibition is in the Egyptian Museum in Cairo. So let's get into the non-boring stuff. The non-boring stuff. The part where (laughs) Brendan Fraser finds the Book of the Dead. Oh, wrong movie. Wrong movie. (laughs) Or Tom Cruise finds the mummy and then gets into a plane crash and dies. And then plot twist, he comes back to life. I can't believe you're spoiling this movie for me that I will never watch. No, no, we're going to, like, live stream watching it. We're going to drunk react <laughs> to it. Because that's what I did. Yes. That's what we can do when we do a Twitch channel, which I'm yes. going to try and set up this week. And it will be fantastic. Y'all come yes. watch. So here we are. Brendan Fraser, Tom Cruise. No, Tom Cruise, you're gone. Brendan Fraser kicked your ass. Brendan Fraser opens the tomb. You got the book of the living, the the gold book, the gold book, and the black book. The living, the book of the dead, which actually have nothing to do with King Tut at all. Anyway. No. There's a curse. (laughs) There's apparently a curse. Allegedly. So, we'll get to that. (laughs) So, the first death was Howard Carter's canary. Carter had reportedly sent a messenger on an errand to his house. Upon approaching his home, the messenger thought he heard a faint, almost human cry. That's not creepy at all. No, not at all. (laughs) When he came to the entrance, he saw the birdcage occupied by a cobra which happens to be the symbol of the Egyptian monarchy. Carter's canary had died in its mouth, and this fueled the local rumors of a curse. A previous inspector general of antiquities to the Egyptian government, Arthur Weigall, that's how I'm going to pronounce it. Sorry if it's wrong. We're going with it. Yep. Reported that this was interpreted as Carter's house being broken into by the royal cobra, the same as that worn on the king's head to strike enemies on the very day that the king's tomb was being broken into. That was a lot of words for just saying a cobra killed Howard Carter's canary the same day that they opened the tomb. And the cobra has... Symbolism to Egyptian culture. Okay. I feel like the way I worded that was confusing. We took a lot of detours, but we got there. Yes, we did. So the first human death was the Earl. George? Yep. Lord Carvana? Carvana? Havana Cabana? Yep. Yep. That does not smell like (laughs) He had been bitten by a mosquito and later... Nicked the bite accidentally while shaving. It became infected and it resulted in blood poisoning. Ooh, sepsis. Yeah. So this is a name you might have heard of once or twice. But Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, the creator of Sherlock Holmes, suggested that Lord Carnarvon's death had been caused by elementals created by King Tut's priest to guard the royal tomb. So Arthur Conan Doyle, he created Sherlock Holmes, who's a very logical, scientific, reality-based person, right? Yes. Arthur Conan Doyle was part of the spiritualist movement. His wife held a seance for Houdini to try to contact his mother, which I'm not going to go too much into that because maybe we'll do an episode on that. But basically, yeah, Arthur, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was very much into the spiritualist movement and was very into that kind of thing. So it's not surprising that he would have jumped that assumption. Yes. The things I have read, he is very interesting. An yes, interesting human being. And his thought process is 
interesting. I'm just going to keep using yeah. the word interesting. All right. So the other Arthur that we already talked about, Arthur Weigel, reported that six weeks before the Earl's death, he had watched the Earl laughing and joking as he entered the king's tomb and said to a nearby reporter, I give him six weeks to live. Arthur Weigel had some kind of premonition, I guess. The first autopsy carried out on the body of Tutankhamun found a healed lesion on the left cheek. Carnarvon had been buried six months previously, so they could not determine if the location of the wound on King Tut corresponded with the mosquito bite on him. With the way that he died, it being originally from a mosquito bite, if he wouldn't have been bitten by the mosquito, he probably wouldn't have died. They're like, oh, we found this healed lesion Mm -hmm. on the mummy. Maybe it's in the same spot. And it's because he opened this tomb that he died. That was their line of thinking. Eventually, it was reported that it was unlikely that Lord Carnarvon's death had nothing to do with the tomb, as many people had entered the tomb as well, and no one else was affected. The cause of the Earl's death was reported as pneumonia supervening on uricipelas. That's how I'm going to say it. Okay. (laughs) Basically a staph infection of the skin and underlying soft tissue. Yeah, so then it... It was basically staph. Yeah, he got staph and it got infected because they didn't have antibiotics. And then he had got, he became septic and died. Okay. Yep. Makes sense. Pneumonia was thought to be only one of the various complications arising from the progressively invasive infection that eventually resulted in multi-organ failure. The Earl had been prone to frequent and severe lung infections, and it was a general belief that one acute attack of bronchitis could have killed him. So he wasn't in good health to begin with. In 1925, an anthropologist named Henry Field, accompanied by an Egyptologist, James Henry Brustet, who worked with Carter soon after the opening of the tomb, visited the tomb and recalled the kindness and friendliness of Carter. So... Carter wasn't a piece of shit like a lot of the guys we talk about, allegedly. Oh, well, that's 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 a new through line. Yeah, it's it's very refreshing. It is refreshing to know that not everybody is a Charles Lindbergh. Yes. Fields also reported how a paperweight given to Carter's friend, Sir Bruce Ingram, was compo- composed of a mummified hand with its wrist adorned with a scarab bracelet Arab? marked with. Yes. I listened to Google say that so many times before the episode, so I wouldn't mess it up. But here we Look, are. Here we are. <laughs> marked with, cursed be he who moves my body. To him shall come fire, water, and pestilence. Soon after receiving the gift, Ingram's house burned down followed by a flood when it was rebuilt. Yeah. Carter himself did not believe in curses. He dismissed them as Tommy rot and commented that the sentiment of the Egyptologist is not one of fear, but of respect and awe entirely opposed to foolish superstitions. In May 1926, he wrote in his diary of a sighting of a jackal of the same type as Anubis, the guardian of the dead. For the first time in over 35 years of working in the desert, although he did not attribute this to supernatural causes. Hmm. So Anubis is one of the big baddies in Stargate SG-1. (laughs) And in the movie, it was raw. Other deaths attributed to King Tut's curse include Prince Ali Kamal Bami Bey of Egypt was shot by his wife in 1923. Is that a curse or maybe you just pissed your wife off? 
that's kind of what I'm going with, but you know, well, curse. Uh, sure, curse. Curse is more interesting. It truly is. <laughs> George J. Gold the first, who was a visitor to the tomb, died in the French Riviera on May 16th. 1923, after he developed a fever following his visit. Sir Archibald Douglas Reed, who supposedly x-rayed the mummy, and he ended up dying mysteriously in 1924. Couldn't find anything other than mysteriously. Sir Lee Stack, the governor general of the Sedan, was assassinated in Cairo in 1924. A.C. Mace, a member of Carter's excavation team, died in 1928 from arsenic poisoning. I couldn't find if somebody poisoned him or if it Mm. was, according to the TikTok that you posted, it was laced in sugar back in the day. Here's the thing. I listened to a book, The The Royal Art of Poisoning. There was an unbelievable amount of mercury and arsenic in a lot of things, so... Could be either one of those. He he ate yeah. some bad candy. Captain the Honorable Richard Bethel, Captain and the Honorable, both titles, which was Carter's secretary, died on November 29th. He died in his bed in a Mayfair club, the victim of suspected smothering. But I also found a source that he was found in bed eating poison. Who knows? Either one sucks. Yeah. Bethel's father committed suicide in 1930. So one year later. And then finally, Howard Carter died on March 7th, 1939, more than a decade later, of lymphoma at the age of 64. Even though Carter died 17 years later, after opening the tomb, people still attributed his death to the curse. Well, I mean, why not? Yeah. I mean, he died. People just don't die, you know, unless there's a curse attached to it. <laughs> Out of the 58 people who were present when the tomb and sarcophagus were open, only eight died within a dozen years. Despite popular belief, There was never a curse found inscribed in King Tut's tomb. Hmm. It is theorized that Carter actually put out rumors of there being a curse to keep the press away from the archaeological site. While Carter did not invent the idea of a cursed tomb, he did exploit it to keep intruders away from his historical discovery. I mean, why not? Because... Right. There was probably people dying to get in there, right? No, I mean, because it was a very cutthroat thing to do. One wrong move and you had somebody else coming in taking over your research. It was like when it's very much like when they started discovering dinosaur fossils, like you had to move on it and you had to guard it with your life. Otherwise, people would steal it and claim it for their own. Yeah. And all paleontologists are Sam Neill. Isn't that his name? I mean, Dr. Grant? It is. Yes, Dr. Grant, a.k.a. Merlin. Tombs of all royalty were said to have exactly the same curse and had been opened with no resulting evil effects. It has been an effective tool at keeping potential grave robbers away. To this day, many people still believe in the curse. Also, I want to throw in there that... Shakespeare had a curse, quote unquote, on his grave, from what I read, to prevent Mm -hmm. people desecrating his body after he died. So that's really interesting. Curse up there. That's what I have on the curse and the opening. So there was never a curse. There's never a curse, allegedly. Allegedly. It's a lot of death for no curse, Callie. It was the 1920s and 30s. Medical advancement wasn't that great. No, and I feel like that, again, this is a topic that we could spend hours on just on Tud alone. But I urge anybody, everybody listening to go 
fine. It's a very recent documentary. I think I watched it on Prime about King Tut, and it specifically talks about they're doing x-rays on the other mummies found in the tomb. They do an uh, x-ray on the two infant mummies that they found. They do an x-ray on a female mummy they found. They were trying to determine if it could possibly be Nefertiti. Surprise, it's not. It's very, very interesting. And you, I mean, again, you could find dozens of, if not more than, documentaries on King Tut. Or even just go on Google. Like, History Channel's got a lot of great inf information. Nat Geo has a lot of information, but they want you to pay $3 to access it. I'm not doing that. No. But yeah, King Tut's one of those things. Everybody knows the image, that very iconic gold mask with the blue. And so when they think of mummies, that's what they think of. I know I've seen a lot of the documentaries, not the newer ones. But if you haven't gathered from this episode, I'm a nerd. And I used to watch the History Channel 24-7 almost if I wasn't watching the Sci-Fi Channel before it was not a great channel Fee -fee. anymore. Seafy. Yeah, I've seen so many documentaries, but my memory has been awful lately. I even asked Elizabeth who my sixth grade teacher was, even though we weren't in the same class, because I could not remember. <laughs> For the record, it was Mr. Post. Yes. And now I remember. Well, I'm glad we had that conversation because I could not remember the math teacher's name. And I remember everybody was like <laughs> in love with him because I like he was a young guy. I did not think he was that cute, but I remember there was a no. bunch of people who thought he was just a dreamboat. He was no tall. No you, Mr. Becker. You were super nice, but... Yes. And now I know that reciprocal is a flip-flop, but a flip-flop is a sandal. Thank you, Mr. Becker. <laughs> yes. Did he do that to your class? I think so. All I remember is Mr. Grind's staff and him you food to teach us everything which I appreciated but <laughs> I think he just really wanted an excuse to eat which again I don't blame him either no those two teachers together were hilarious they were something I had they were a dynamic duo best time yeah that that's our episode this week yeah so I'm gonna throw out all our handles we're at facebook.com's slash horrendous dot podcast we're at twitter at horrendous pod or is it horrendous podcast Her, twitter is horrendous pod i'm gonna look yes. it up now. horrendous pod <laughs> i'm pretty sure it's horrendous pod instagram at yes we're at horrendous pod on twitter horrendous perfect dot pod on instagram instagram yep and our email if you have anything for us, is horrendous.podcast at gmail.com. Um, Patreon, don't forget to, if you are able to, sign up as a patron on Patreon. If you sign up for the $20 level, not only will you become automatically enrolled in a loyalty program, which gives you merch every three months, but also you'll be able to sponsor an episode. And I'm thinking of adding a one-time, uh, a tier for one-time donation to actually pick the topic we talk about. Oh, that would we, be fun. Yes. For a one-time donation. I'll have more info on that soon. But yes, if you can, please become a patron on Patreon. You'll get to see not only the horrendous field trip video, but also the video of my 15 minutes of fame and as well as photos of from the horrendous field trip and uh we'll be adding more stuff on there so please please support the show even just listening and word of mouth is supportive but yes tell your friends yeah we would love to get more patrons so we could do more things and even maybe you know see each other in person once all is safe, do a horrendous field trip together. So your support is very appreciated. Also on Patreon, I think Elizabeth and try and find some really embarrassing photos of us from a long time ago. Yes. And post those. I know we had talked about that. 
Yep. I will put those on there. And then you can see my top ponytail. Yes. Her rock and waterfall ponytail. I think that's really all we got this week, guys. Thank you for listening and thank you for supporting us and for continuing to support us. And our next episode, we're going to switch to more true crime e history slash true crime. So that'll be an interesting one. And then I think we're going to move into a little bit of holiday stuff since we're going to be moving into December. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's all I got. This has been horrendous. We will see, talk to you next time. (laughs) (laughs) We will talk to you next time. Thank you guys. Bye.